welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with me, Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Welcome back to another episode of the Digital Broker. I'm Ryan Deeds, and today I have Eric Wistrom with me from Couch Brownsdorf in New Jersey, an agency up there. First, I'd like to thank Indio for putting this on for us and supporting education out to the brokers. If you don't know Indio Technology, you should really take a look at them. They just secured a huge amount of funding and they're, they're making transformational changes in our industry as we uh, push forward the customer experience. Um, if you don't know about us on LinkedIn, we have a group called the Digital Broker Podcast Group on LinkedIn. Go ahead and throw that in LinkedIn and request an invite um, and we'll get you in there. We're, we're still trying to figure out what to do with that, but we're, we're strategizing on how to build engagement and how to, how to make it a valuable resource as we can all try to learn together better. So a couple of days ago, Eric and I were chatting on the phone and we were kind of going through like, if, if I was going to come into a firm and help that firm understand where they were operationally today, are there four or five key questions that they can ask and he and I just kind of nerded out about that a little bit. And so, Eric, welcome. Glad to have you back. You've been on the podcast a few times. Hey, Ryan. Thanks, man. Really appreciate you having me back. Just chalking out my third time on the Digital Broker Podcast. <laughs> really excited about that. This is cool. You, you know how nerdy I get about, about this stuff and, and how uh, getting into these conversations about uh, internal operations and insurance agencies, how they can reach maturity, uh, how they can just strive to be above and beyond is always an exciting thing for me. So I'm happy to be on. That's cool, man. Yeah. So Eric and I were talking about this data project that we're doing at AssureX and I had found, I, I found a data marker that I didn't anticipate, which was the amount of commission splits inside of an agency. Um, and he and I were kind of kicking this idea back and forth, you know, could you build a web page that asked a couple questions and allowed an agency to come there and answer those questions and kind of get a, this is where you are today and this is what you need to think about. And through that process, we kind of came up, we were just kicking stuff back and forth. I was like, you know what, let's just do a podcast about this. Because what I found with the, with the commission splits is the smaller the organizations, the more likely that they would have a lot of different commission schedules for their producers, which means there was more custom deals, which means there's more accounting overhead, which means there's more operational work involved and less standardization. I mean, and that, and, and it's just funny because it was just a data marker that I, even in the agencies that I had worked in before, I didn't have enough variety to be able to tell that. And so that was kind of an interesting marker, I guess, for that. Yeah, Ryan, I can, I can agree with that. I mean, I've seen agencies, especially smaller agencies that, that, that develop a lot of one-off deals from a producer commission split perspective. And you could have one producer at like, uh, you know, a, a significant new business commission percentage and a drop down in renewal, which is somewhat typical for the agencies that I've seen. And then you could have some producers that are just on a flat, like, xx like a flat 40 40 percentage of, uh, of of revenue um and if you start to have too many splits beyond that as you mentioned the accounting overhead the auditing overhead the the amount of time it takes to really review commission statements and make sure things are being paid appropriately it it just not scalable 
So I, I feel like the, the more mature agencies have made a decision to say, here's what we're going to pay and here's why. And we're going to keep it simple so that we can scale it. And then it, it doesn't create an uneven playing field across the agency. It's that every producer pretty much understands where they sit and what they can expect to make. And that is easily communicated. And I think that simplicity really goes a long way to creating scalability. I do too. I think trust too. I mean, one of the things that I deal with with producers is sometimes they feel like they don't get paid the right amount. And the more complexity that we have there, um, the harder that is to validate. And so I think that that's an interesting question, you know, as someone, as a producer in an organization looking around to determine, am I in an operationally efficient organization? Are they driving the right way? Because when I think about operational efficiency, ultimately what that means is we are going to be getting better services in the organization. We're going to be able to allocate revenue to cultural kind of things. We may get enhanced compensation, extra days off. All of that, when, we, when I think of efficiency and operational excellence, those are the kind of net gains that the employees should have. And so it's in everybody's best interest to, to help move that ball along. And if you're in an organization that is not operationally efficient today and has no desire to be so, then it, it, is that the place that you want to be? Is that the place that you're going to be best served? Ultimately, though, I hope you come out of this episode with a couple questions to, to help you figure out where you are. Eric, if you're looking at a firm and they're talking about um, their makeup, what are, what are, what's a question or two that you would ask to try to decipher where they are with their operational maturity? So I like to put myself in the role of the producer, um, just as you mentioned, right? Because the, the many agencies are really built around whoever they call their customers. So if we call, if we, if we happen to have a wholesale operation, their customers are outside agents, right? If we have a retail operation, their customers are inside agents. So the account manager's customer is really the, the producer as well as the end insured. And I like to approach it from the producer perspective because I think that that producer would start to ask a number of questions that are critical to the success or failure of the agency and that producer's success or failure within the agency. So the, the, the question that comes to mind initially is, do, do I as a producer have a clear understanding or rather can I articulate the role of the account manager, right? What's that account manager there to work with me on and what am I there to do to assist that account manager in servicing the, the book of business that I have um, is it, is it well laid out? Is there a checklist tool that's used on every account? Is there a focus in the agency on that account manager, given the time to create positive customer experiences and not just process paperwork, right? Is there that bifurcation within the agency that says the account manager is a, is a critical resource to our success that person is there to create wonderful customer experiences, enable that producer to sell, give that producer leverage to grow their book, and, and really have that account manager focus on servicing the account and adding value and not necessarily on pushing paper and what you would call soul-sucking tasks. I agree with that. I think that when you look at that from a larger scale, I, I agree that if a producer has an inherent understanding of the value that the account manager brings and where the handoff is, that something is going right in the organization. 
I would think in most organizations that that was the case, leadership had pretty, has pretty well-defined roles throughout the whole structure if it's coming down to the account manager and producer level, which I think is a critical component of operational maturity. I see so many times operations teams get mixed up with who's doing what, whose responsibility is to drive this initiative home, and everybody's heart's in the right place, but sometimes the execution gets fumbled, and then we create drama internally in an ops team, and I, and I don't I think there's nothing that stops forward progress than, than, than drama inside an operations team. And so oh, absolutely right. I, it, just, I, it kills you. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. The more friction that there is, especially, you know, when, you know, sometimes we'll approach a problem and we think we have the solution and we don't give it enough time to bake as a, as an operations team. And this isn't just, in, internally here where I work, but it, 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 it plagues many organizations that are, are of a certain size. Sometimes they move too quickly mm -hmm. to solve something. And that creates way too much friction because just generally people don't like change and especially change that's not really well thought through. So one of the questions I would ask is what does change management look like in the organization? Mm -hmm. You know, does an exec come down and, and say, we're doing it this way and this is what we're doing. And then the whole organization has to stop and pivot and figure out how to do it better. Or is there a sort of a structured project management style approach to thinking through the, the different implications of a change like, like with that, whatever it may be. And it could be something as simple as, as uh, how do we approach our select book of business? You know, is that treated as a, as a pool or a work queue or is that assigned to account managers? And those account managers are in a small business unit. It, it, it's, it's really important from my perspective, especially if I was sitting in the role of a producer, I'd want to understand, you know, so what is the strategy? How do you guys go about making decisions? How do you guys go about changing things that you view may not be working? And what stakeholders are involved in that change? You know, because if, if, if I'm a producer and I'm building a, a, a niche book of business, and suddenly there's changes in my service team that don't really allow me to keep hunting. And I got to kind of fall back and defend the book of business that I've created because the service team is, is kind of uh, focused on other things. Well, then that impacts my ability to grow that book of business that impacts my ability to hunt. And as a producer, I want to understand to what extent I'm completely able to focus on hunting on a regular basis and that, you know, roughly 80, 70 to 80% of my week is on going out and hunting for new accounts. I think there's a couple of things there. I think one is if I have successfully defined what a producer is. So again, we're back to, does my organization have good role definition? Because I think for a lot of producers, for a lot of agencies, they don't have a good effective definition of a producer. Oh, I totally agree. So, so I definitely, I definitely feel like one of the questions is how well defined are the roles that each member of the team has to has to do? Um, if I'm sitting internally, and a lot of times you have a gut feeling if it's not great or, or if it's if it's good or if it's not great, because if it's not great, you're hitting friction with your teammates, and if it's good, then you have clean pass offs and handoffs. I think the other one that you mentioned is absolutely critical because it talks to a operational model that's been put in place. So when you think about change management, 
so often agencies just throw stuff hey we see this we know we have this problem let's put the two together and we're going to walk away from it and so leadership comes in finds a solution they've heard of a problem they say this is a good they've talked to three other agencies those agencies are using it like crazy they put it in place they think it's all everything's going to be great and they kind of sit on it for eight months uh, the renewal time comes around they ask everybody the question what's what's been effective this tool has not oh it's the tools problem I mean, we see that repeated right because and that's a that's a direct correlation to a lack of change management control where you don't set up metrics and a timeline for adoption like you said i mean if you come into an agency and they've got a program management methodology where they're like yes you know we do seven or project management methodology and they've got like seven or eight projects that are running you can see where everybody is that's a i i haven't seen that i mean that 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 is and i think so that is a great question to ask how do you handle change in your organization is it strategically allocated or is it just kind of ad hoc right yeah, and, and really to extend on that, I won't go too far, but like who is involved in, in choosing the technology or choosing the platforms that the organization is going to implement to either better serve their internal folks or better serve their customers? And to your point, is that something that an exec had seen on LinkedIn? Maybe they listened to it on the Digital Broker podcast. And then how does that get brought into the organization and sort of synthesized into something that can create real value for the organization through time. Because you, I know you and I have seen this. We've seen a lot of bad CRM implementations over time. You mm -hmm. know that. And without, you know, it's so multifaceted because it, it, it's, it, first of all, it's an executive buy-in. There's got to be a producer buy-in to something like that. There's got to be an account manager buy-in to at least understand what's going on. So many changes require pretty significant focuses on communication internally and i think that that uh small agencies where they may be one location right and they may have 20 30 people communication's easier right because when you have a conversation loud enough people hear it right you start to have you know three four five locations maybe 80 100 employees communication becomes something that you absolutely need to focus on. So tools like Slack are so critical there. And, I, and, and the next question I would ask is what tools is that organization employing for internal communication, email and Slack? Like what is it? Right. And, I, and, and so for me, so much of communication can be facilitated through uh, data. You know I mean? Uh, when yeah. I think of dashboards, that's my primary communication mechanism. So, so okay, a data strategy, you know, would be a good question to ask. Do you, do you have a defined data strategy? Is this something, or like you said, I mean, what's your communication play? And if data is not a part of that, I mean, because we're shifting from from like overt communication to implied communication and everybody kind of knows what implied communication is when you go to a facebook post and you see 33 likes on it those people that that's kind of an implied thing like hey they like that post and right. so nobody had to tell them or email them or anything like that so 
my philosophy is how do we get more communication that's implied so we can have more purposeful overt communication that's not so freaking that just the dogmatic and dragging people down you know and so yeah i think that's a good question how do you communicate do you have a communication strategy you know, do you have a data strategy how are you leveraging data today so let's go through our yeah. questions real quick we've got uh, you know, if I'm a producer, one of the quick questions I could ask is, you know, do we have standard commission rates or do we have uh, customized splits? That's going to give me some indication. How do we address, uh, do we have good role definition in our organization? Or, you know, does a COO and the commercial lines manager and the personal lines manager and all the different operations areas have good definition in their in their roles, do they know what success looks like? Do they know what metrics drive them? And yep. I would say the vast majority of agencies don't have that, right? Yeah, That's, I to expand on that, I mean, uh, do you have documented procedures? Right. Are your account managers and your producers, are they following a process, right? Not only just like a written procedure, but is the procedure baked into a workflow that they follow? Right. Right. And if you think about that, like, I always kind of fall back to let's, let's put ourselves in the, in the seat of a producer. I got a piece of new business. I'm really excited about it. I've collected all of the, the uh, underwriting info. I, I have previous policies. I have loss runs. Now what do I do with it? Right. Uh, smaller agencies that don't have a, a very well-defined sales and, and marketing process. And when I say marketing, I'm talking about rating, right? Not, not the traditional sense of marketing. Right. But if you don't have a defined submission and rating process where your producer is collaborating with a new business coordinator inside or, or a rater inside, then that new business is going to suffer, right? Because that producer is going to be so excited about that new business. They're going to walk around the office and they're going to talk to anybody that will listen to them until they find somebody that, that says, you know what, I'll handle that for you. I'll help you with that. And they, they, what they will tend to do is forum shop until they get the answer that they're looking for, which is, yes, I'll help you with it. So that's very disruptive too, right? Because you're taking folks that normally have other operational responsibilities and you're, you're kind of pulling them off at the whim of the producer. And it, it, it's frustrating for the producer. Now, if I'm looking at an agency and I'm a producer and I'm saying, do I know where to go when I have new business, right? Do I know who my rating and marketing team is? Do I know how to approach them, what data they're going to need? Does their role or is their role clearly defined? So like if I call an underwriter, is that something that they want me to do? Or has the agency made a decision that producers are there to be advocates for the customer and the rating desk is there to interface with the, the underwriters and the carriers? When you say that, what I hear is an agency with accountability. Uh, so how accountable are, are the employees to the organization? Are they mandated to, to use certain tools and to do things? Or is there kind of a blind eye given, right? Because accountability drives those behaviors. Now, some producers will leverage those tools. Uh, some producers will not. And in the agencies that just allow whatever to happen, they're not as operationally mature. I mean, they, they, they don't have incentives in place and de-incentives in place to, to control that, to help control that behavior. And so, yeah, I, I, I agree that the, what we see from the result of a lack of accountability 
is a lack of standardized utilization of tools. Well, and so much of what we're talking about is training, right? So, okay, so another core question then would be how good is your onboarding and what is your training schedule? Oh, dude, and, and just hinging that right up into HR. So if That's I'm right. looking at an agency, right, and, I'm, and maybe the agency's got 50 people, maybe it's got 100 people. I, one of my first questions, you know, this is, is uh, how many IT people do you have? Mm-hmm. So do you treat IT as a strategic value creator or is it just the nuts and bolts keeping the lights on thing? Right. Now, the next question is how many HR people do you have? How do you look at recruiting? Where do you recruit from? Right. What's your ideal producer look like? What's that, that definition, right? What are they probably doing now? And then once you have them in for an interview, right. And they've accepted the offer and they're all ready and raring to go. How do you ramp them up? What's that onboarding process look like? Yeah, and I think most agencies roll their eyes at that, right? Like most agencies have a couple-day onboarding process where you do HR and some stuff, and then you go sit next to another account manager. And, and I mean, I'm not knocking it, but I think that when you look at longevity of the employee and creating – like my, one of my loss control managers used to get crazy because the producers would be so undereducated about the losses, about the risks, they'd go out and write business on coverages that they might not understand fully, which then would create some real time sucks for the account managers yeah. and some communication issues with the clients, you know. And so that's an interesting – you know, yeah, so ab- absolutely. Is HR a strategic resource – or is it a, you know, does it, does it deal with employee engagement culture or is it PTO and process, you know, I mean, or is it all of it together and you've invested enough resource to be able to do that effectively? Yeah. I mean, we, we think about this a lot, right? Because it, being in a, in a small midsize organization, you have a lot of new managers that typically aren't really professional managers. They don't come from a background of doing regular performance reviews of their people They've typically been been thrust into the position of manager because they're subject matter experts. Mm-hmm. You know, the, if you look at the example of like a typical commercial manager, that's typically your best account manager that because of their seniority is now the manager of 10 account managers. Right. But it's very unlikely that that person really knows how to manage people and how to, how to approach their team in a way that they're enabling their team to produce the best work rather than saying, you know what, I can do this faster. I'm just going to do the transaction to get it done. And it's, it's really hard for those subject matter experts to make that transition. And I view that as being a role of HR to help those managers really become the best managers that they can be and, and really grow and enable their teams through training and coaching and development of their staff and through audit. That's really the role of the manager. But I think in many small organizations, you have what what are called working managers that are assigned a book of business and they're, they're, you know, probably 80% of the day is spent on account management. And 20% of the day is, is trying to deal with internal employee issues and doing maybe some performance reviews maybe a little bit of auditing here and there and then putting out fires. And I think that that's just really the wrong focus. That's what I think. I mean, I think that's a great, you know, so what's the onboarding process for our agency? Is it better today than it was when I got here? Right. Cause that would be, that would be a good indication that we're moving in the right direction. Right. 
Secondly, it, do I have access to training that makes me good at the position that I'm in? You know, obviously every agency out there devotes some resources to CE because of the licensure requirements that we have. I don't see many devoting resources to management uh, training, you know, interpersonal training, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a little touchy feely for some agencies, but I agree with you. I think that that those are other core questions to ask, you know, you know, it's, it's neat. I think a while ago you guys might've had a uh, total CSR on mm -hmm. right, to talk a little bit about that product. They've done a really good job and they've, they've, helped a lot of agencies really figure out what onboarding should look like. And part of that is it goes beyond the CEs that we typically do to maintain licensure, but it's, it, they have soft skills training there, which is, is really, really cool. I, I love to see them expand that to, you know, managerial training in some regard and understanding what the role of a new manager would be in, in that shift. Because I think that that's a significant struggle for agencies that are really trying to grow and as we bring on new inexperienced people that come from either outside the industry and have all the intangibles to, to grow into either great producers or great account managers, the, the agencies, I would view the agency's core competitive advantage is how effective are they at recruiting new people and bringing them up to speed as quickly as possible and then maintaining their employment with the organization. So let's go through the, the questions one last time for the group as we get to the end of this. So the, the first real question is the, uh, the change. How does an agency, how does the agency address change management? So if I'm looking at an agency, if I'm sitting inside an agency in any role, I can look around and say, okay, over the last couple of years, the changes that have been put in place, they seem strategic or they didn't, they impacted me positively or they didn't. Was that a, is that a positive thing? So that's, that's one, right? How do we deal with change management, right? Do we have a good onboarding process? You know, uh, does, and do we have good training ongoing? Um, the account managers that I talk to, it's funny because they, they say, you know, their success is directly correlated to the training that they've been given. Success makes them feel better, which keeps them in, in, lets them be successful. You know, so I think that's a critical component to it. So, um, you know, is there a good onboarding process? Is the onboarding process that's there today better than when, when it was when you, when you got hired? Um, right. I think that's another great question, right? Clarity there. Yeah. Yeah. Role definition, role definition, right? Yeah, role definitions. Um, you know, thinking about how clear is the firm strategy going forward? Can I understand it? Can the, the folks in that, in, in that meeting that I'm talking to, can they articulate it? And then once they articulate it, are they all on the same page? Thinking about special deals on commissions. Is it a standard rate across all producers or is there a mixed bag? To what extent is the agency focused on letting me hunt as a producer? So, you know, those are questions that you can kind of mull over that you can think about for your organization. Some of them you may be awesome at, some of them you may need work with, but I think as you think about operational maturity and what that means, also think about what does it mean for you and your role? You know, it, oftentimes I think employees hear efficiency and they say, Oh God, that just means I got to do more with less. 
And that's never the intent. The intent is to allow you to do more of what you like, less of what you don't like. And if it doesn't turn out that way, then there needs to be some kind of feedback. Loop. I mean, it's all about trying to build engagement for the employees and make their lives easier and, and communicate effectively with our customers. And so, right, right. It, you know, to, to the extent that we understand that happy employees create happy customers, what's the, the firm's focus on making a better employee experience? Well, thank you so much, Eric. It's been awesome. It's always good chatting with you. And uh, I just love you, man. Always a pleasure, my brother. Thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you. All right. Thank you for listening to the Digital Broker. Thank you to Indio. If you want to check them out, it's www.useindio.com. Use Indio. Check them out. Thanks a bunch. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio simplifies the insurance application process for brokers and their clients. When using Indio, the process is fast, easy, and EO-free, saving your agency time and money. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com dot u-s-e-i-n-d-i-o dot com slash podcast.